We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to another episode of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I am your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in. Audio side, video side, today is Tuesday, December 20th. Normally, I would have my good buddy Joe Yerden with me on Tuesdays. However, Joe is out west. Sabres, we're taping this Monday afternoon. Joe is covering the uh, Vegas game. He, he was so blown away by me last week. Yerden was like, you take it from here, Joe. You're the best <laughs> show on the show. I'm going to California to recoup, recoup and, and figure out how I can match the bravado of one Joe from Queens. All right, so if you're listening and you're not watching on YouTube right now, Joe from Queens, the emer- a.k.a. the emergency quarterback, is with me today. Real quick, too, before we get going with anything, I, I never say this on YouTube, but I, but I need to. If you happen to be watching this on YouTube, hit that like button. And there's a reason why. People always say, well, smash that like button. Actually, there is a reason. Hitting that like button helps the algorithm of the show. More eyes end up seeing it when people load up their YouTube pages. It recommends it more. So if you happen to be watching this, just take a half a second and hit that like button. And trust me when I tell you. Um, you can see matters. how good looking we are, too, in person. I mean, we're, we're, we're hot stuff. We're, we're bad, bad hot galore, you know. Not bad. Christmas week. By the way, you're up in you're up here in Western New York. I don't want to say Buffalo because you're not in Buffalo. You're right in Pendleton, know. right? Pendleton? Fucking Pendleton, yeah. The worst place on earth. Uh, yes. I'm in oh, Pendleton. Western New York is Western New York, man. Christmas week, uh, always uh, an insane week here. Yeah, uh, I, was, I was in Rochester this past weekend with uh, the missus because it was our anniversary. So uh, we were yeah, up was, there celebrating. I was going to say this is this isn't this is actually your second Christmas as a married man because you got married yes. right before Christmas last year. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I've gotten my Christmas shopping pretty much all done. I, I did a lot of it on Sunday. The Bills playing Saturday night. I I watched some football on Sunday. You know, I had my phone and, and streamed a little bit, but I, I went out with my wife and we we got a lot of stuff done. So it's gonna you be should. Less oh, your favorite week. your favorite Christmas gift had to be my Christmas card to you. Right? It was nice. Yeah. It's hanging yeah. up. It's hanging up. Yeah. I literally, it, it, most of you listening, in fact, almost all you listening or watching don't know this, but on Facebook, I have literally all month long been pandering and begging for, for Christmas cards from friends. So yeah. <laughs> I got a nice handful of them. Yeah. yeah yours was cool, man. It was a nice, nice picture. Of you and Melanie is hanging up right on my, uh, Right on my door thing with the with all the cars. I should put it in the studio, in my studio, since I don't really have a studio and have a decor of my Christmas card (laughs) behind my back. Yeah. Um, All right. So, listen, uh, there's 
a couple things I want to get to today. Obviously, we'll spend some time talking about the Buffalo Bills, a, a very big victory on Saturday. This is Tuesday. We're not going to recap the game, so to, so to speak, because that's kind of old news at this point. But there's some takeaways, both good and bad, that I think we should discuss. So we definitely will do that today. I got a sports media thing that I want to show you from a reporter from another city who covers another team that I've been waiting to have you on the show to uh, discuss. We'll spend a couple of minutes doing that all in good fun, nothing serious. But on a serious note, last Wednesday, Joe was on the show and we pretty much devoted the entire episode to uh, what happened, the Jerry Sullivan incident with Trainwreck Sports. Um, You know, we're not going to relive all that again. I don't want to spend an entire episode. I will say this though, say what you will, folks. People were interested in hearing about that. That was literally, and I'm not exaggerating, quite literally, that was the most downloaded episode over the first 72 hours of this podcast the entire year, all of 2022. All the live shows I've done, I've had some great guests on. We've had some uh, fun shows. I've gotten out and had some wing shows. And Joe's got a smile on his face because it's the most. This was that was the most downloaded oh. episode. And I don't think it's because of you or it is. No, it's because of, of us. Screw you. It's because of us. I am not letting you take away the heat. That's from the top. <laughs> yes, I would say I would say seventy five percent of it was the topic. The other quarter was probably like they wanted to hear me. Uh, no, I. But yeah, you're right. It was a pretty. It was a pretty. A topic that I think everyone it was on everyone's mind. I mean, it was a yeah, for sure. And, and you know, last week, so we taped that early on. I, I believe it was Tuesday, and it just happened on Monday night. So things were developing while we were taping, and uh, kind of instant reaction at that time. Now it's been a week later, and again, I don't want to spend a lot of time. I don't want to go back into this hole too deep. Um, let me do this real quick, and only take a second because I want to, and I'm. I want to be real clear because again, like what happened on train wreck sports last week, it takes one person. You don't have to have 500 people watching your show live. It takes one person to clip what you said and things can go viral real fast. So I want to say this before I say or show anything. I am not defending Jerry Sullivan. I am not a Jerry Sullivan defender. I'm just going to tell you what I've heard. But first, I want to play. I want to bring it up. If you're watching this on YouTube or you can hear it on uh, the audio side, I, I got to uh, let me let me let me pull it up here real quick. This is the comment that was said directly. And there's a reason why I'm playing this, even though it's a, a, a week old. Manel. But if you happen to be living under a rock, if you're a Buffalo sports fan and, and you don't know what's going on, Jerry Sullivan had some very disparaging comments towards women. And I want to play that clip from Trainwreck Sports, what he actually said word for word. And there's a reason why, and I'll tell you in a second. But here's that clip. In the form, we had three people that have commented on the live stream. Uh, this is Amy. I thought the aim was to get views, not turn people away. Uh, you know, hey, women, be better than this, because the worst fans really are the women. They, they, don't, they don't get critical journalism. They're just, they all, they all want to be cheerleaders. Okay. You know what I mean? It's always... I don't. Uh, we don't need to play anymore because it, you know, like I wanted to play that direct quote, and again, it was for a uh, for a reason. I want to say this: I spoke to somebody over the last couple of days who is close to Jerry Sullivan. All right, and again, I am not defending what he said. Everything I said last week, I stand by it today. I think he deserved to be fired, and I think everything that's happened was deserved because you cannot 
say that. You just, you cannot say that. It's just too bad of a look. And if you represent a company, a brand, whatever it is, I ain't having you either. But from what I've heard, his comment, and, and you just heard it back, what he was trying to say and articulate, which he did an absolutely deplorable job of, is he wasn't necessarily, he wasn't saying that women uh, are dumb, that women are stupid football fans, that women aren't knowledgeable when it comes to football. What he was trying to articulate was that women, and I don't and I don't agree with this, I'm just telling you what I've heard, that women generally speaking, are too positive on the team and they don't want to hear critical journalism when they're playing bad. They, he says that they want to be cheerleaders. They always want to be upbeat and positive on the team. For an example, the Bills go out and they lose a couple games in a row. Or Josh Allen throws six picks in three games. You know, four of them are in the red zone, whatever. And in the media, Sullivan particularly has blasted him. Women don't want to hear that. They only want to hear the positive. They, you know, they're mentioned about a, a petition or, or open letter or something. I don't even know what the hell that's even about. This is what I'm hearing. You know what I mean? He was trying to articulate the fact he wasn't saying women don't belong in watching football or that they're stupid or that they don't know about football, you know, like rah, rah, put on a cheerleading uniform. What he was trying to say is that women don't want to hear critical. They don't get critical journalism. I think that's what he said word for word. They only want to hear the positive. They don't want to hear the, the criticisms when Josh Allen or the team's not playing bad. I'm just telling you what I heard is that the point, that was the point he was attempting to make. I, I take that for, for whatever it's worth, if it's worth anything at all. No, I, I feel like it's the same thing that he made on that show. Like I, even with the, with the new, the, the, like, I think they're, I, I took it as his comments where he felt they were cheerleaders and they weren't objective enough. And that's, I don't mm -hmm. agree with him in, in regards to that. And, uh, you know, I, I'll just say this about like, uh, yeah, I don't know. I think he's just, whoever told you that, I think he's just trying to rationalize with himself. Damage control. Yeah. Probably. Which is wrong. Where, you know, he messed up even more. Like the next day he posted yes. that thing about like, what, what's going to happen to women's sports basically with me gone. Like, yes. Dude, I was like, you're, you're just, vic you're just trying to play the victim. That was bullshit. And, like, let's be fair here. He got hired by Channel 4 to do local sports news. That's why they hired him. He wasn't – he got hired there in 20 – I know the person who hired him. He got hired there in 2019, 2020, around there. And he was supposed to just do local stuff. That was it. So, local sports. So, obviously, he's going to have to do women's sports. Like, he can't just do a bunch of, like, the, the, the yes. Nichols football – you know, St. Joe's football player. So, him acting like he was, like, this savant and, like, you know, he's – like, he's – Mike Wallace of women's coverage, like get the hell out of here, dude. Like, you know, he knows he. I mean, whatever. It was. It was. It the was, aftermath. It was, the aftermath. I, you're right. For the record, I I think you're right. The aftermath of how we handled it. You know, we we criticized last week Trainwreck Sports for their handling of it, putting up a, a generic vanilla statement and then pretty much going away for days and not doing anything about it. Whereas Jerry, the next, the, I think it was the next day, he had an apology and it just felt empty. And then his next tweet was about, well, who's gonna, you know, these stories are gonna go. Untold his damage yeah. control what was horrible. But anyway, again, having I mean that's 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 him. I'm sorry, real quick. No, that's him. That's one of my issues I've always had with him, is he thinks he's like he he has always felt like he was a doctor. Like without me, what's gonna happen? Like we're all gonna die. Like, dude, women's sports will move on without you, buddy. Okay, like come like yes, yeah. of course. You of know, course. like yes, should there be more outlets to cover high school sports or college sports on the women's side? Yes. 
There should be. But let's not act like, you know, when he was a columnist for the Buffalo News, it wasn't like he was writing columns left and right about the women, women athletes here. He was doing the Bills. He was doing the Sabres. On occasion, he would do the Olympics when he went there for four years. So maybe, well, not for four years, but when he would go there every, every four years, they would send him and he would do some features and all that stuff. Well, come on, dude. Like, it was it was a part of the assignment there, buddy. Okay, so I I agree, I agree, I agree. Uh, again, I've had time to process things a little bit more. I've heard other people's opinions. Again, we taped our show not long after this all went down. So in the following days, I've heard a lot of opinions from people that I like and I respect. One of them, Tim Graham. Um, you won't find a a guy in the media that I like and that I respect more than Tim Graham. And he did a show, and he uh he he buried Trainwreck Sports, but he also this is important. He didn't absolve jerry sullivan from blame you know what i mean so i think that's important i agreed with some things that tim said and again i'm just being honest here i don't i do this show to try to be the best host i can to have the best conversations to be the most informative for people who listen and watch i don't necessarily i I mean i'm I'm not going to say i don't care about having fans or people that like me but that's not why i do it and i'm just going to tell you this one thing i do disagree with when it comes to what tim said and if you haven't Listen to that goal. I think it was like the you showed me. I I hadn't heard it until you showed me uh, or told me to go listen. It was about 15 minutes into his latest uh, Tim Graham and Friends show. What the one thing I disagree with when it comes to what Tim said was I don't blame Trainwreck Sports for for having um, Jerry Sullivan on. I, I blame Jerry for doing their show. I said that last week to you. He was clearly willing to talk. This was just 24 hours or so after the Josh Allen presser, which is where that he came from. And Trainwreck figured it was a topic people wanted to hear about. And I also want to note, too, that this is Jerry. That was Jerry Sullivan's fourth time on that show. So he's been on it three times previously, including being in that basement. Yeah. So he knew what that shit's about. He knows what Trainwreck's about. What I do blame Trainwreck for the most is uh, their lack of instant reaction. And didn't denounce it. They, they, they should have cut it off right there. They should have said he was wrong. They should have did something or tell him to further elaborate. Like, what do you mean? What exactly are you trying to say here? You know, after Jerry stuck his foot in his mouth and said what he said. Uh, one more thing, then I'll, then I'll let you respond. And to Tim's point, I don't, and I wrote this down too, I don't necessarily think they brought Jerry Sullivan on to exploit him. I mean, no one, I don't think anybody was expecting Jerry Sullivan because of one comment to go off on a tangent about women and being cheerleaders. But, uh, you know, Al did read a, a couple tweets that were disparaging towards Sully that, that, that really set him off. So, you know, you can, Jerry's or Tim said, you know, they were kind of, they baited him. You can make a case that they did bait him by reading some of those tweets where maybe if he was on Tim's show or if he was on this show or a lot of other shows, I don't think he would have been put in that position. Again, doesn't absolve him from what he said and that's not defending him. I just, I mean, the comment, what was the comment? And by the way, the comment was from a, that set Jerry off. I went back and listened and I just played it for you. It was from a, a, a woman named Amy. And she said, I thought the goal was to get views, not turn people away. That should not have set Jerry off to say yeah. what he said. I think I think what it boils down to is I think, you know, you hear the term locker room humor, which like shithead President Trump did like when he got caught saying like grab him by the you know what. And I think Sully got a little bit and it's, it's no call. For, I think Sully got a little bit stupid and thought he was in a locker room setting where I'm with the guys and I'm going to make fun of women kind of thing. Yeah. And he got, and that's like, sorry, dude, that's, that's, this is 2022. That's a 1985 Revenge of the Nerds locker room over here, dude. Um, I wouldn't go that far with, I like, you know, he, Graham did, you know, was pretty harsh on them. 
if they had asked hit Sully, like, what do you think of women sports, you know, fans? Then, yeah, I could see that after he got liquored up, if he did or not beforehand. I could understand that. But my whole thing with, with them is, I, look, I think Trainwreck is going to probably, I don't know what they've done. since. I've been kind of off the, I've been off the grid a little bit because of uh, traveling back to Rochester. They've done their typical, their normal shows. No, no yeah. Maniac and, and Degenerate Al, those were the two hosts of, of yeah. the show. It's called Trainwreck Tonight. They record, I, I believe it's on Mondays, because this was last Monday when, when Jerry Sullivan said what he said. So I believe yeah. Monday night, the, from what I understand, they're going to address it at the beginning of the show and move on. That's, yeah. that's what Well, we'll see what they say. As I said, one of my my issues is like, you know, they, they're they very, they're a part of that little, and I'll try to be nice about this. They're part of the, like, the click of like all the socialites on Bill's Twitter, like Brother Bill, the Mafia Babes, all those people, which fine. That's the thing. Now, I've seen a lot of those people basically try to absolve them of what they did wrong in regards to having him on. And as I said, I think, the, you know, unfortunately, you know, not to say unfortunate, but, you know, the degenerate Al nodding in agreement, that's not a good look. I've said it before. They've had copious amounts of material on their website when it comes to Barstool Sports, which is a misogynist, sexist outlet. I don't care what anyone says. You can think they're funny or you can love that they review pizzas or whatever the hell they do. You know, that's not a good look if you're trying to prepare yourself as being like we're the, we're we're for all women and equality and all that sort of stuff. Like you for me, they had Jerry on for a lot of reasons why we have podcasts for for for, for viewers, for clicks. They were gonna have a guy on from the day before who was the talk of that press conference, as you said, which I, I told you I tune into a show that I usually don't tune into to hear that. Yeah. Not because and, I'm not because I'm not dissing yeah. them. I'm just saying Monday nights, right. I usually got things to do. I listen to it because I wanted to hear what he had to say. So yeah. I agree with you when it comes to that. Yeah. And I don't know. I don't think they're going to lose. Like they're not going to lose their job. They're going to have their diehard fans. I think the socialites of, of the bills, Twitter people will, will help them get, I, I don't think they're going to lose views. Like Plus I don't they're think, a niche podcast They're a niche yeah. podcast. Their, their fans are going to be their fans regardless. Yeah, I, mean, I, think, I think it's going to hurt them in other ways though, but yeah, sure. maybe advertising, but who knows there. It's, no, it's, I, I think it's going to hurt them. I, I think a lot of media will be skeptical of, of, of coming on their show. Not all. Too. Yeah. They're not, some, they're not, but happy. they're not happy. Yeah. I, I feel there's like, a lot of people in the media who probably are not very happy with them right now again, but I don't like, disagree with Tim here. I don't blame them for getting Jerry on the show. They didn't know what he was going to say. I blame them for their, how they reacted. But to be fair, that was in real time and unexpected. I, I, I guess the, the last thing I want to say about this is, is, again, Jerry's not the victim here, man. He's not. There, there is no, no victim. Everybody was wrong to some extent. None so more than Jerry. Jerry got what he deserved. But that doesn't mean people who, who have liked Jerry Sullivan leading up to this or people who cared or still do care about Jerry can't be sad about it. I'm I'm sad that it came to this. You know what I mean? I'm disgusted with what he said. I, I think Channel 4, I think the Gazette, I think they did the right thing. I think they did what they had to do. Well, four, not I really, agree with it, but so, I care about Ch him as a human being, and sure. I'm sad. Channel 4, I would say they didn't do the right thing. They didn't even release a statement or anything. True. You're right. They, they could kiss my ass on that regards. I, I, I agree. They should, they, should have, they should have made a statement. They just got rid of them. They just wiped them out. Yeah. They, I, they, I don't like that. I do want to say one last thing because I want to get some bills and some media stuff. But as for Trainwreck Sports, I think it was a learning experience for these guys. Um, and I think it should be a learning experience for all podcasters out there. If you want to, if you want to do a live show and you want to be live, you better realize when you're live that anything can happen live. It's just like you and I are lifelong wrestling fans and we watch live wrestling every week. You never know what could happen on live TV and you better 
realizing anything had happened. And you better be prepared to deal with something that's unexpected on the fly. That's that's what happens when you go live. And you might think, well, there's only 15 people who tune in because, you know, that show is not exactly a hotbed for, you know, it's not like there's thousands of people watching it live. It, can only, it only takes a dozen. It only takes one person. One person sees or hears something outrageous. They go back. They clip that. They put it out there. Somebody with Twitter followers retweets that or shares it on Facebook and bam. Mm-hmm. So if you're going to do a live show out there, and there's a lot of people who do, you better understand that there could be consequences if, if you're not careful and you're not alert because recording something and doing it live are two different things. I've, I think about this a lot over the last week. Like if Jerry was on the show and, and he said that on my show, I, first of all, I would have handled it. I'm pretty confident in myself that I would have handled it significantly differently. But that also would not have made the air. So I would have cut that shit out. I said, well, I said, Jerry, what the fuck are you saying, man? You know what I mean? I would have fucking ended that shit right there and it never would have made the air because I record the show. I don't do it live. Now, I don't not do a show live because I'm afraid that something like that's going to happen. I haven't done live shows yet because I don't think I have an audience yet for that live kind of stream. And when I do and start working on building that, I'll have to have live shows every single week. But anyway... If you had me on every week, we could have a live show. Because my long-winded point is, if you're a podcast out there, you better, big or small, you're going to go live. You better be prepared for the unexpected, and they obviously were not. Mm-hmm. So right. that's all I got to say. I think we wrapped it up. Yeah, right. we, we 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 wrapped that. One other thing too, because Joe is notorious for the best media takes want, ever. That's what you Anyone say that some this, some might say the worst stuff. media takes ever. Mm-hmm. But one thing that we can agree on is whether the the rationale, the justification of, of why you're tough on the Buffalo media could be argued or debated. But one thing's for certain is you are hard on the Buffalo sports media. You, you got to agree with that. I'm no. not saying whether you're justified or not. Yes, you are. No. Yes, I, you are. No, I you give, com- hold on, general- hold on. I give compliments to people who deserve it. I, last week, I gave compliments to Tim Graham. I've even given compliments to John Warrow, a guy who I have fought with on Twitter for years. Okay, I've given him credit. We follow okay. each other now on Twitter, by the way. I think yeah, me I think and him, that, yeah, I, I follow been, him too. He follows watched. me too. Anyways, yes. But I've look, I will give you I just don't like cheerleaders or pandering. And I see that a lot of times. And you I think I, you're right. And I think and I think it happens too much. And it, it, it's on my it's look, it's on my Twitter feed. And I listen to press conferences, and there's things like I'm like, look, I think you should ask that. Look, I went to I went to school for broadcasting, okay? So I have a, a cynical eye, I bear a critical eye towards that. More so than anyone probably does, because I went to school for that. I did the inter. I did an internship at like the local sports. I did. I went on Channel Two as a sports intern. I did one at GR. This was like twenty years ago. I did all of that, and then I decided to move to New York because I wanted to do TV production out in New York City. And I'm still in TV production. I still do that for a living. I interview people for a living. So I'm constantly my my head is always moving into what question should you ask? What question should you be? What should be your narrative? What should be your storyline? And when I see people who just ask long winded questions. Or they're pandering to the Bills Mafia on Bills Twitter because they always they want to get like the whole like oh I, w- I want to get that viral video of Josh Allen doing handshakes you're, you're just, and all this it's just kind of silly and I, yeah you're it's not silly. that's your I'm opinion right. I, I'm not saying listen you're certainly entitled to that's not what I'm getting at though Joe I'm not getting at okay. whether you're right or wrong that's not what I'm arguing sure. what I am saying here's what I'm saying is you think it's the Buffalo media that's like that. Right, I've so been telling your, you, okay, so I've been telling email, you this week mystery after, email. Go week ahead. after week after week, I've been telling you it's like that everywhere today. And okay. that's how it is. And 
You think it's the Buffalo sports media. I want to pull up. I say this for a reason because I went to watching that Miami game and following it on Twitter. A columnist for the Palm Beach Post who, or a journalist, I should say, for the Palm Beach Post. His name's Joe Shad. He has a quarter of a million followers. He has more than double the followers of anybody on the Buffalo sports media. I want to pull this up if you're watching this on YouTube. I got four tweets from this guy. Okay, now again, you, you call me Panery Pat. I, I get a kick out of that. And there's a little Come bit of truth Panery, to it. Pat, let's get there. All right, well, let's get there. And you're talking about the Buffalo sports media being basically cheerleaders are too soft on the team. They're almost like rooted for the team. They're pandering to the Bills Mafia on social media. That's More pandering say. to the fans and the, to the actual okay. team. Okay, well, well, let me pull this up. Again, a very well-known journalist for the Miami Beach Post. Joe Shedd, he says this, two at a waddle, and you got to be watching this on YouTube to, to really feel the effect. Exclamation point, 67 yards, exclamation point, touchdown, exclamation point. Yes, it is snowed in Tuscaloosa. That's because Tua was talking about Alabama still. Okay, that's one instance. He's literally got exclamation points. This is the guy who covers that's the Dolphins. Saying, it was a big – it was I don't buy that one, but Listen, go ahead. let me finish. Okay. Joe Shedd, again, they score. Tua scores, uh, throws a touchdown to Tyreek Hill. Exclamation points, touchdown, touchdown. He is literally – look at these tweets. He's literally cheering for the Dolphins. No, no, uh, hold on. I think explanation point is he's yelling because they scored a touchdown. Like, oh my God, they scored a touchdown. Like that was a great play. Now the one, the thing you had after that, like the, the Buffalo people are shocked at the snow or whatever the heck that was. Yeah, it's a little pandering. I don't mind explanation points for if they score a touchdown. That doesn't tell me you're cheering for those touchdowns. It tells me that it's a big play in the game. Like if he gets a it's one an yard, and it's excitement. I, I, uh, yeah, I'm but not it, done. It, There's still two more. I'll prove it to you. I got two more here. Salvin uh, Ahmad scores a touchdown again, exclamation point. And then he's saying Miami came to Buffalo, prepared for the snow, prepared to run the football. No, so, but they're running anyway. He's right. That, I got no problem with that. And here then is the last one. They gave it to Josh Allen. The refs gave it to Josh Allen. You're, right. You yeah, just saw four tweets. Yeah, Are you gonna, If you sit here if you sit here and tell me that that guy's not literally cheering for the Dolphins and pandering to the Dolphins fan base on oh, Twitter, well, okay. then I don't know what to tell well, you. Well, first off, I don't know, like, they gave it to Josh Allen with the referees, like, that's that doesn't yeah that's a little bit that's a pandering thing at the end even though he could be saying like i don't know this guy off of that i don't mind explanation points because i do feel like if if he i don't follow this guy i don't write his columns or read them but if he's saying explanation points it could be like the moment of the game the giving it to the 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 josh allen exp, explanation point that they gave it to him if he's saying that the refs I, you should put that because I don't know if like the rest gave it to him because it was a close play. I'm, I'm assuming he's talking about the two point conversion where he's he was saying that it should have been and that the refs gave it to him. That's yeah, no, I don't think I don't think he's saying the refs gave it to him. Pat. We all saw that replay of that game. We all knew he got it across the line. Even the announcers said that. So they gave it to Josh Allen. <laughs> Are you defending this guy from from being a, a Panthers or Dolphins well, media go, or Dolphins you, fans? Why don't you go flush it out? Go ask this guy if he said when he said the refs gave it to him. Were they, I will. Was, he say, was he saying, oh, the refs like gave it to him, like the give it to me game? Was that what he was implying? Because I don't know through that context. Now, if there's a Dolphins, go ask Marcel. I don't know. You got him on DM. Ask him what he knows about that guy since he covers them down there. If you, if that was Joe Biscaglia or, or Sal Capaccio or one of those guys tweeting touchdown Dawson Knox with exclamation point, no, you'd be all I over just told, No, I wouldn't. You're full of shit. That is bu- bullshit. I would not be <laughs> all over that for explanation points. Uh, please. That's every like, team no. panders to their to their fans. No, to some extent. I live yes, in they New- do. I just showed you one of them. Pat, I live in New York fucking city. It is 20,000 teams here. I follow the I read the freaking newspapers here. I have a lot of Yankees, Mets, all those fans. 
There is none of that with them cheering on. The SNY network is owned by the freaking is owned by the SNY is owned by the Mets. Yes, network owned by the Yankees. Do you don't do you you watch the Yankees? Is is there the lead? Is Paul O'Neill or Tino Martinez when they used to be on? Are they cheering for the freaking Yankees? They're giving me their objective, and they're owned by the freaking network. It's not close. Well, TV people, TV people, I would excuse. Like I, if Eric Woods gonna, if Eric Woods gonna cheer for the Bills, he's employed by the Bills. I I got no problem. But I'm just telling you, they don't here in New York. They're not doing it on Yes Network. They're not doing it on SNY. That's what I'm telling you. They're not. I think I can find it anywhere. I think you're wrong. I have had, I have had, I have had talks with people who have been in different markets, who are close to the media scene, who have said this is completely different. Also, I'll just say this: Miami sports, eh. They're kind of like they they're pa- I could see them being a little bit more pandering because it's Miami and they're and the Florida is a, a shitty sports city when it comes to football <laughs> team. They really you is. know what? They you're really right. Is. No, 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 no. You're right. I can so speak like, for Tampa. Tampa sports fans are the worst. Yeah. I've said this a million times. They're, yeah. they're the worst fan base in all of sports. Okay. So But I don't I, think I don't think I don't think honestly, I don't think explanation point is if you're saying touchdown to a like a a miracle. Like so yesterday, you, we or on Sunday, that that New England that New England rate that New England Raiders game was insane. So if someone says explanation point, holy crap, Chandler Jones returns it for a touchdown, explanation point, explanation point, that doesn't tell me that he's being a homer. That tells me that's a crazy play. Like, oh my God, I can't believe he just did that. Saban Ahmad running for a six yard touchdown is worth an exclamation point. No, it's not. But you know what? Maybe <laughs> maybe that's how the guy tweets. I don't know. I don't know the it's, guy. But no, that's just how look, it is in today's more. world. I'm just telling you, man. Okay. I'm just. Well, I, <laughs> I think here's the thing. This was a fun segment. I actually it, enjoyed here's this. the thing. There's there's a few. There's there. Yes, there are probably some people that do that. But you're picking one guy, and I can sit here and pick about ten or twelve Bills beat guys who do the same thing, and content bloggers too. So I'm not. You know, like, you know, well, Joe, Joe, your boy, Aaron Quinn, he's a meme machine over here. So, but like, he's a fan. So he's, he's the first person. <laughs> yeah, to say he's, that. he's not mainstream. But media. like, I'm he's saying there's mainstream. more of that here than cold, hard killer journalists. Okay. Which is, I think we need a little bit more of that. I think that in today's media, that is just the way that things need to be. You know, back in the day when you had one newspaper, one radio station, a guy, you know, ironically, Jerry Sullivan. There was a time, and Tim said this on his show, and I couldn't agree more. Jerry was the pre- preeminent, most well-known, recognized media and or member of the Buffalo sports media, most recognized of anybody out there. He was probably number one in Buffalo for a long time. Loved him, hated him. People read him. People who are our age or people who are older, you read Jerry Sullivan 100%. I know this. I didn't always agree. I hated with some of the shit that he wrote about, but I always wanted to know what he was going to say next. My point is this. I didn't. But you had no choice. Well, you know what? You are, you are, uh, you belong on ESPN. What, what are like the PTI show or you belong on first take with Stephen A. I, Smith. No, no, I, I think you could disagree with any take. No, I, no, I, I, kind no, of respect no, I, ag- I agree. No, you're right. And I said that last week that he was at one point on the Mount Rushmore of Buffalo media sports right. people even if you hated him or not like well just him specifically but, but but my point was you you had to read the buffalo news or you weren't going to read about the buffalo bills or you had to listen to wgr or you weren't going to be able to speak your mind or listen to the buffalo bills in today's media market there's just so many options and if you're a douchebag like a lot of people have thought jerry sullivan's been a douchebag for decades but you had to read him back then now even if he didn't say what he said you ain't got to read jerry if you don't like i like jay scursey i know you you like him too if you don't like Jay Skursky, if you think Jay Skursky's an asshole and a, and a curmudgeon and he's always being negative, you ain't got to read, Jay, because you've got 20 other options that you could go to. 
That's why I think the media market is so different now because some people I, I've talked to, I'll, I'll say his name, Josh Barnett from the Buffalo News. I've talked to him about this. I think you have to be likable now or you're done because people don't have to read you. They don't have to listen to you and they ain't got to watch you because there's so many other alternatives now where there wasn't before. So you, if you're going to be a curmudgeon and I keep using that word to, to fans who, who follow the team, they're going to say fuck off and they're going to go listen or watch somebody else. You know, that's why I think it's different nowadays. Maybe. I mean, I, I do think there is a little bit of likability, but I think it's likability towards the fans. Okay. If you're dunking on fans all the time, like just for, for shits and giggles sake, that's why I think you could get that reputation of being unlikable. And I, I felt Sully did that a lot more. But if you're like, I think if you're mean to the team, I think you can get away with it if you're nice to your fans, maybe more. I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong in that regard. No, nah, you, 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 you have points. You I know mean, what I mean? Like, I'm just saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah like, you're right. I used to, my biggest issue, at, I used to like not like Tim Graham. I, you know, because a lot of times I felt Tim Graham was dunking on fans every day on Twitter. He used to quote tweet them constantly. And it was so obnoxiously annoying for me. And I was like, what the, why is this guy dunking on people? And to be honest, he stopped. And maybe, I don't know if he did it because he saw people were saying that, like, dude, you have to do this all the time. But I mean, he does it on occasion and I'm fine with doing it on occasion, but he was doing it like every day. And I was like, dude, enough. Like, I get it. Like there's trolls out there. You don't, I'm not getting off on you dunking on these idiots anymore. Like, it just I, I hear what you're saying about Tim. Just, I, and I, I'll say this and, you know, pandering pad, I, I get pandering it. Pat. And you Tim, know what? I, the, the good, the, the good thing about Tim or the bad thing about Tim is somebody with five followers, he will quote tweet you and he will dunk on you. Like you said, the good thing about Tim is somebody with five followers, you ask him a question, he will interact with you. He'll do your podcast if if he can, whether it's big or small. My point is he treats everybody the same, big or small. That's the good thing. But it also leads to him kind of not so much, you know, recently, but being petty where it's like, you know, why even bother responding to this jerk off? But he will. And it could be a bad look. I, I agree with what you're saying. So. Yeah, he does that. Well, let me get one more thing, and then we're going to get out of here and talk about yeah. football because this has been pissing me off for about a week or so, the Cole Beasley narrative that you didn't want to put in your notes. Well, I'm putting them in your notes. Here's the thing. I I don't think Cole Beasley would get this good humanitarian feel-good story anywhere else but here. I thought last year, last week's press conference, for people to completely take at word of what he said about that, like a – a parent of a parents, a kid, a, his his kid's friend's parent said, I don't want you hanging out with Cole Beasley because I don't like him. I, I have it hard to believe that a parent would tell their kid, you can't go to, to Jimmy's house because I don't like their dad and have that kid go to that kid and say that. Uh, I, I don't I've, I've and look, I and then the ooh. other thing, too, this is a guy who was an anti-vaxxer. Who you know? I heard some people say, "Oh, he was a great teammate. People liked him." Are you sure about that? Because Jerry Hughes and him almost got into a, a Twitter fight last year. I remember on uh, in the summer when he was trying to placate the whole thing. He shitted on Bruce Smith. Like, remember, like two months ago, he was like, "You know, this phony and Bruce Smith coming trying to tell us that we should take a shot." And then, then like last month, he's he's dogging the freaking the region and the team. And then like. I'm supposed to automatically believe that this guy, like this feel good story all of a sudden and some softball questions asked of him. I don't think that would happen anywhere else. Okay. Camp Newton. I, I'll say this last year. Camp Newton, the the new England media wrote a scathing column on him last year when he didn't want to get the vaccine. I, that, that didn't even come close to happening here. It kind of did a little bit at the end 
when everyone knew that Cole Beasley was going to be gone and they were like, oh, hey, we got to like, now that he's gone, we can completely shit on him because he's going to be gone. But there were so many people who didn't want to, didn't want to call him out on his fake, his fake vaccination bullshit. And then now it's like, oh, he's good now for the locker room. And I'm like, is he good for the locker room? He got COVID last year. And like we we were almost lost that we didn't lose almost lose that game, but we were down to two three wide receivers last year because of like the whole vaccine. It's like people forgot about that, and then like we're gonna make him out to be like this good Samaritan that rubbed me a little bit the wrong way last week. And like and like people were like, oh, he's like uh, the screw that parent that was with him. First off, we don't know if that's true or not. Secondly, a year at this a year ago at this time, Pat. We were, we needed vaccine cards to go to the stadium. We needed vaccine cards in New York City to go to restaurants. I got news for you. If my son was at that time last year was like, hey, I'm going to go hang out with this anti-vaxxer family, I'm probably going to say no to that in regards to last year. This year, a little bit different, fine. I don't, you know, I'm don't. i not going to get into what's going on now with all this crap. Uh, we, we're on like the 20th booster. But last year at this time, I don't think you could fault anyone for being like, hey, I can't hang on. Like we, we can't, it wouldn't be good. Now, where the only way you could fault that is if he told the kid, if this mom told his kid to tell Cole's kid that we don't like your dad. Okay, that's that, and that's where I think he was trying to get that sympathy card, and everyone just, everyone just drank that in hook, line, and sinker, and it was, it was a little bit like, could we get someone to have a little bit like, have you followed like a lot of these people on Twitter or, or listened to the these talking heads talk about that? That rubbed me a little bit the wrong way, and like you know. That's kind of the thing where I don't think that happens anywhere. I don't think in New York City where 30, a, a shitload of people die because of vaccines, because of, not the vaccine, but because of COVID, are going to be like, oh, wow, what a great story that the anti-vaxxer is coming back. We like him now and et cetera. Anyways, that's my take. I know. Thank you for letting me uh, spew that. I was going to say, I, I'm not going to re- respond to any of it. That's your Why? feelings. That's your take. Why? Because we have a show to do in about 25 minutes left, and I want to talk no about the No one wants to hear about me. Hey, we, you like about that. What? I'd let you have the floor. I'll, I'll, I'll give you one minute. One minute. Tell me. I'm, I won't say anything back. Am I wrong with that regards? Did I you think you're wrong about COVID? some of the stuff. I, I think you're- what? I think you, you're, you didn't I think listen you're, to me, probably. Well, you were telling me to give you a minute, and then you're interrupting me as soon as I start talking anyway. Okay, I think- I think that your opinions towards him are at least in part skewed because you have a very strong, and I'm not saying you're wrong, but you have very strong stances on vaccinations and COVID. And I'm not saying you're wrong for what you believe in. He's the opposite of what you believe in. And I think that naturally makes you dislike him. I can tell you with certainty that I know personally people who will not let their kids hang out with other kids because of who their mother or who their father is. And I know that for a fact. And I'm not saying, Cole Beasley could be lying. You're right, because we never will. You gotta I mean, take it for, do you want to take it for his word? You don't have to. You can, you can't. I'm just telling you that I know for a fact, I know people whose parents will not let their kid hang out with other people, not because of the kid, but because of the parents. Um, Redemption, not necessarily. His yeah. teammates do like him, too, and maybe not all of them. I don't, I don't know if anyone, if there's any player on the team where everybody likes him, but I'm telling you now where I do think you're 100% wrong, and the majority of his teammates do like him a lot. And if it was that bad, Brandon Bean would have said, "Not nah, sure, ain't coming back." But I, I'm saying last year he was not a good teammate. That's why he he played himself. He pissed out me here. off last year. But that's why he played, that's why just because here's the example I would say is just because oh hey I like my one yeah I had a friend when I was growing up his name was Face and everyone liked him but you know what Face was an alcoholic and a gambler and a thief he doesn't mean that he's good for us. Cole Beasley last year was an anti-vaxxer who who's kind of screwed up the locker room in terms of people you know. That New England game, the, the second to last New England game, when like he got he got COVID, Gabe Davis got COVID, 
even going to what he was saying, tweeting every day and like say like that's a distraction. Okay. And you're right. And like, yeah, players in that locker room probably more or less like it. But I don't know, like on the offensive side of the ball. And maybe he is back because Josh Allen likes him. That's why I think he's back. But I, I feel like everyone just completely glossed over that he got they got rid of him last year. Because, what, I think because of that. What's a redemption to you? To, to be able to redeem yourself means you have to fuck up. To be able to redeem yourself means that you had to do the team wrong. You had to do somebody wrong. Last year, I agree. I wanted Cole Beasley out here. I thought he was a distraction. I hated what he was saying on Twitter. And he also, because in part because he was physically so uh, banged up, he was a shell of what he was before that. For all And plus his salary cap. Numbers. So for all those reasons, I wanted him gone last year. I was happy when the Bills cut him. I'm not, I'm not necessarily saying this is a redemption Hollywood feel-good Cinderella movie with him coming back, but I think he's useful. I think he's helpful. I do, I do believe that he regrets the way things ended. I think he would like to at least do some things over again. Again, it's just a matter if you want to take him for his word, and I know you don't because – Again, you have views about vaccinations and stuff, and his is the complete opposite. And for the record, I am a vaccinated person. I'm boosted. I, I I believe your side when it comes to it. Sure. I guess my my whole thing is a month ago he was shitting on Buffalo, and now all of a sudden he's he he loves everyone again. It was a little bit like he. he I was know, surprised. You're right. If he was, and then the other John thing Feliciano, too, he and the he, other. Yeah, and you, yeah, Feliciano, he can fuck off too. Well, like, I'm saying Cole Beasley like, re- laughed or retweeted or something yeah. with then, eyeballs or something. Then, I, I was like, really, that's kind of petty. And then, the, and then another thing too is just like, instead of it being like, this is such a great, like a redemption story, like they need him. First off, as you said, he seemed like a shell of himself last year. I agree with you on that. But where was the criticism of like, they kind of screwed up the wide receiver room? This year, they were they have to go back to John Brown and Cole Beasley. Instead, it was all it felt like it was a lot more like, oh yeah, they need this missing piece. And I'm like, dude, this guy's been retired. Where's the criticism for Brandon Bean? And I feel like people, I think if there's a guy who has the media's like has wrapped around his his finger or whatever, it's Brandon Bean. Everyone loves him, and like everyone, like okay, look, there's some people. As I said, I come on here, I I tell you who I like. It's like the the people at the Athletic I like. And even at a certain extent, Waro at times. Everyone else can be a little bit better, okay? And as I said, my DMs are wide open. Feel free to ask me. I don't betray confidences. You know, my DMs, if they ever got out, you would all be fired probably. Redemption story, no redemption story. It's not. I, I mean, I, I, well, see, let me finish, man. Redemption I'm story, no cool. redemption story. Cole Beasley being back is going to help the Bills to some extent, I think, with personnel. You could disagree with that. You could disagree with yeah. about what he his reasons for being back and all that stuff. That's fine. I, but we, I'll tell you one thing we have to do is I have to get to a break. I am way late. I will say one break. second real quick. Jeremy White what, what, was critical of the, the of and Nate Geary about the Bills wide receiver room. So I just want to make that clear that he, they were critical of that. Okay, anyways. All right, we'll let's take a quick break. break talk, come back. I, I, we got uh, about 20 minutes left. Got to talk some Buffalo Bills. Be right back. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. 
Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds live up to the minute, look no further than OddsTrader. Why is OddsTrader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different signup codes and promos from the sports books so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports projected game day weather, which by the way, that could be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all of your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com dot com slash blue wire odds trader the number one site for all your game day bets i am back with uh joe from queens who is not wearing a cole beasley jersey right now i can promise you that i'm actually you're... wearing a sabers see i'm i'm, I'm a, that's, a, that's, a, that's a sweet jersey i, I, I talk about oh it's a, a hoodie I'm, i, oh, I yeah, talk about being objective and i'm wearing a sabers did you get that from the sabers store uh i got it i Think not, yeah, I think I got it at the Sabers game maybe because it was through there like three four years ago. They they I forgot how they do it, but they it was um, the Ad Pro people. Like if you go if you go to if you go to the one Buffalo store, that's where you can get it because there's, like, there's two different stores. But yeah, I got it. I got it that's, again. That's, I like that hoodie, man. I like it. Thank anyway, you, all right. So Saturday night again, we're not going to rehash the entire game. Kind of old news at this point, but. Buffalo Bills beat Miami 32-29, an exciting game, a uh, a visually a really cool game, especially those last nine minutes watching it on TV was uh, really cool. But anyway, big picture, the Bills are 11-3 now. They remain in complete control of their own destiny. They essentially have put a wrap on the division, but not officially. They have officially clinched a playoff spot. want to spend a few minutes talking about a couple good things, maybe a couple bad things, getting your uh, – Thoughts and takes on a few of these uh, things I liked a lot. The Bills are really, really good. At, again, we'll get to some bad stuff too, but the Bills are really good at closing out halves, and they're really good. They've become really good at ending games with drives, and I think that was the biggest difference in this game. Um, they close out the half, 12 plays, 82 yards, over 2 minutes and 59 seconds. Now, to be fair, Josh Allen got away with a huge-ass mistake, and Sean McDermott got the joke about it after the game, but – uh. He hit James Cook in the end zone. His time went and ran off the clock. 
If that's an incomplete pass, the Bills come away with nothing, and we're all going crazy, including Sean McDermott going into the half. But anyway, that's what you get with Josh Allen. He makes those type of plays. He makes mistakes, but he'll make that kind of play. So they score a touchdown right before the half. And then to end the game, and this was ultra impressive, man. Game-winning drive, 15 plays, 86 yards. They used up the last five minutes and 50 seconds, 56 seconds of the game. They had a third and three. Um, Josh Allen hit Stefan Diggs for six yards to convert. They had a third and two. Um, Josh hit McKenzie for um, five yards out to the mid, about midfield with 3.02 left. And then it was third and six from the Miami 34. This might have been the play of the game, actually. Isaiah McKenzie didn't catch the ball, but he drew a pass interference penalty. That gave him the ball to 13, and that essentially won the game. Look, we got three weeks left. I, I feel like, given the fact that it was on national TV primetime and he looked, Josh Allen looked like the Josh Allen that we expect him to be. He could tell he's healthy again. He's making plays. I don't think he's going to win the MVP because I think it's too late. I think Mahomes and Jalen Hurts will, will finish ahead of him. But he belongs in the conversation at, at the very least. 25 of 40, 304 yards, four touchdowns, no picks. 10 carries, 77 yards, including an electrifying 44-yard run. He's back. To, forget the MVP stuff because who really gives a shit? That doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. But And he lost a fumble, but that was not his fault. Um, complete missed block. He's back to playing the Josh level, their Josh Allen level that we expect him to. And quite frankly, if the Bills are going to make a legit Super Bowl run that they need him at, you feel confident now that Josh Allen's all the way back? Doesn't look like you do. I, 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 I'm close. Um, it's one great game out of, I would say, six, seven weeks of him being not as good as he was before. You know, and so I, it, and I, I'm, it's fickle because it's, it's a little bit fickle because, like last week, I tweeted something after the Jets game, which he did not look good in the Jets game. You know, what you could say it was the weather, whatever. It did, it was not an impressive game. I said to him afterwards. Hold on one second, Pat. We're live. Well, we're taping this live. Joe's having a, a a conversation. He muted his microphone. Anyway, we're discussing here Josh Allen, and uh, he's still uh, he's still talking. Anyway, Joe thinks he's not all the way back, and he mentioned the Jets game last week and the weather being an impact. And I'm gonna I'm gonna talk in a minute about the weather being impactful. In a, in a good way for the Bills this week and in a bad way last week, which kind of relieves me a little bit. But anyway, go ahead. Continue your point. Sorry. I'm at home, and everyone here doesn't know that I'm doing a podcast or know what a podcast is. So everyone's, yeah. You know, anyways, um, I, I, I tweeted after that game, like, we could forget the, 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 the Josh Allen MVP talk. And a, a bunch of people, like, added me, like, oh, like, no one was even talking about him as an MVP. And then after, like, one game, it's all of a sudden, oh, he's back in the conversation as an MVP talk. So – it just shows you, like, you have one good game, and then all of a sudden everything's back. You have one bad game, and it's like you're the worst thing since sliced bread. It's, like, so easy to get into that. And I get into that as well sometimes, and, you know, I got to stop myself. Um, I feel in order for him to really get on my, okay, he's back, back, I probably need one more game between now and, like, the the end of the season for me to be like, all right, the elbow's good now. He's in the zone. He's what he was prior to the Jets game, the first Jets game, I may I add. And then I'll, you know, and they need him to get in that game. But he was, he was great on, on, on Saturday night. You know, he was making, he was making great throws. He was in the zone. I mean, he is, he is the Bills' main playmaker on offense. 
You know, they got the dog. I saw Greg Thompson had a really good point on Twitter. I never give him credit aside from his stakes, but uh, that he makes. But like he said something along the lines of like Miami has their, when it comes to playmakers, Miami, Miami's best playmakers are on the outside at their wide receiver position, whereas the Bills best playmaker is the quarterback. You know, and that's and that's true. It's Josh Allen. He is the big playmaker. And, you know, he he was outstanding against Miami. That was a big game. That was a great game between two really good teams that I feel like we're going to see each – I think we're going to see them in the playoffs maybe, you know, at this juncture because of, of just – I just feel like it's poetic for them to kind of meet again. But I think he needs one more really good game before before I can kind of say, like, okay, he's back. Because you go, you go six weeks when you're not at the same – where he was inconsistent and they were – a good drive here and a good drive there. I need like one more complete game. And then I, I want, oh, he's back. I want, I want to say that going back last week to the Jets game, the weather was a factor in an opposite way, in a negative way for the Bills. But more importantly, I think the Jets defense is really good. And you hear the boxing term, styles make fights. Some teams, for whatever reason, just seem to match up really well with other teams. Again, sometimes it's unexplainable. The Jets defense, Josh hasn't played well in two years against the Jets offensively. For whatever reason, they're just really good. They're sound. Whereas Miami, who has more talent, they certainly have more name players on their defense. Josh has just absolutely owned the Miami Dolphins over the last three years or so. The Bills have been a more balanced team of late running the football, too, as well. They haven't necessarily needed Superman Josh. But on Saturday night, they you could tell that they needed him. And I'll tell you one other thing, too. Regardless of whether you feel Josh is all the way back or not, Tua, I, who I think is better than a lot of Bills fans wanted to give him credit for, especially early in the season, he has kind of run into a wall a little bit. And if there's people out there who thought that Tua was really closing that gap between him and Josh, you saw on Saturday night, uh-uh, because it ain't close, man. Tua's a decent quarterback, and Josh Allen is one of the best quarterbacks in football. And I think you really saw a big difference in, in this game. Do you know how many – I was just looking at this up. Do you know how many touchdown passes Josh Allen has against Miami for his career? Mm. 27. No. 27. <laughs> he, he is just 27 touchdowns, five interceptions, 106 quarterback rating, 63% completion percentage, 2,684 yards passing. He has killed them. And that's his – and I to give, you, to give you an example – I'm sorry, I'm just looking at this now. Uh, the next team that has the most touchdowns I think is New England at 13. Yeah, They're, well, like, you know, twenty-seven to thirteen. He just—he has killed them. He is—he absolutely. Part of the reason is because they come at him. They blitz him. They play a lot of man-to-man. And Josh, you blitz Josh, you better get to him, or he's going to make you pay. The Jets pay him. Jets play a more sound, uh, safer approach, more Tampa two kind of coverage. And they and the Jets are really good at getting to the quarterback without blitzing. Like they could get to the quarterback with their front four, and that's caused Josh a lot of problems against the Jets. I said on Twitter. And some people thought I was nuts. I said, listen, I think Miami's more talented than the Jets, but I'd rather play Miami in the playoffs 10 times out of 10. They'll make plays. Tua's going to make a couple plays. Tyreek Hill's Tyreek Hill. He's going to make plays. Waddle's going to make a couple plays. But I feel like every time the Bills play Miami, when it matters, I feel like the Bills will make more plays. I would much rather play the Miami Dolphins it's in the playoffs than the Jets. because the Jets, the, the thing with the Jets, I hear you on the defense, but the Jets haven't scored really against the Bills, though. That's the thing, right. whether it's Mike White or Zach Wilson. I mean, Mike White, look, last year, Mike White had four picks in the finale. 
You know, this year he was I – mean, he got some yardage, but they weren't great, obviously. Miami don't score against the Bills either, though. I, I, if uh, you I mean, dead, dude, 29 – I'm telling you, they, what they, they score? 20, 29 is pretty good. That uh, is very good. But I bet, you that's good. The mo- I bet you that's probably the most sure, they've but, scored against Josh Allen I, or yes, the Bills but, with Josh but, Allen in his career. True, true, but you have to understand this Miami team is very different from 2020, 2021. They got, they got Hill. They got Tua. Like, Tua's been a lot better than he was the previous couple of years. It's a different Miami squad, different coach. Sure, it's sure, different. Sure. So you can't rely too much on the history a little bit, even though I just did a little, a little um, bit. But it's, you know, overall for the Bills, it's, it's one of those things where there still is a little bit of lack of consistency. Like Saturday night's game, it was like you talked about like they're great at closing out halves and et cetera. It's like end of that half, I'm like, all right, this we're 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 slinging it. I mean, what was it like three touchdowns on the first four drives of the game, yeah. or whatever it was, and then that that third quarter, it was just right. I'm, I'm, abomination, and it's that's kind of that's what they've been like since the Jets game. They've had. I'm like, gonna get to that. Yeah, I, I, Go I, I'm gonna get to that when I get some bad points because you're right, and it's a great point that you bring up. But I, I want to continue with some of the good stuff. Like I said, all right, so Josh Allen, if he's not 100% back, he's 95% back. He looks really good. Let's just put it that way. Dawson Knox, early in the year, was, they gave him the extension, and it was disappointing to see him not more involved in the offense. And uh, you're like, well, you know, where, where's last year's Dawson Knox who scored nine touchdowns? And uh, of late, he's been turning it up. He had team-high six catches, team-high 98 yards. Um the game tying touchdown. He had two drops, annoying for sure. But uh, you know, to be fair, the Bills ended up scoring on that dry way of those drops anyway. They need him to they need him to be productive because Stefan Diggs can't be that you can't have monster games every week. And I looked it up. So 13 catches, 139 yards, two touchdowns for Dawson Knox in the last two games. We're getting late into the season, and it feels like they're coming around to getting him more involved, which I think is smart, and he needs to be more involved. There needs to be a second option. To take the pressure off Diggs. Yes. Whether it's whether it's Knox, whether it's Gabe Davis, they have not had that for most of this year. They've had it recently with with Dawson Knox, as you said, and that's good. Like I've been, I've been, I'm not a part of Dawson Knox's fan club. I think he's a little bit. I would have waited to extend him, but you know, he does a lot of things. I'll I'll trust the the film bros when they say like he's in a lot of pass protection, which makes sense because the Bills' offensive line is not great, obviously, and. That's my biggest concern going forward probably with them right now, but he stays back the pass protect, but he's had a really like, they need someone to be, you know, that, that second guy that's going to be like, I don't care who, whether it's Isaiah McKenzie, whether it's Gabe Davis, like one of those guys has to be that way. And I feel like Dawson has come like, and they're trying. Cause like he wasn't getting targeted at all. Like, you know, it's one thing if you're saying like Isaiah McKenzie has had the droppy drop issues this year Dawson Knox hasn't even like had the drop issues really because they haven't thrown it to him really all that much. And so I can't really sit there and go, well, he's, 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 he stinks or he's letting himself down. That stinks, but he's letting himself down like Isaiah would or Gabe Davis would because they're not throwing to him at all. You know, they're throwing to Gabe Davis, they're throwing to Isaiah McKenzie. And you and I could, we could, we could point out plays where like either one of those two guys were dropping, I was like dropping passes, but they couldn't, they couldn't catch contested passes. Whereas with Dawson, they just didn't throw it to him a lot. But like, I think for the offense to move forward, there needs to be some. There needs to be someone else who can who can be like the second tier guy. Right. All right. Well, I, I want to continue. Um, another guy I want to make sure I give credit to is Isaiah McKenzie. You know, we went on this, we went down this Cole Beasley rabbit hole earlier, and it would have been easy for Isaiah McKenzie to pout and uh, have his game suffer. He, I thought he had a really good game Saturday. He had two catches with twenty four yards, which. 
that's you know that's not impressive. But again, one of those two catches, both of those catches were for first downs, and uh, that huge pass interference penalty that he drew uh, on the game winning drive was huge. I thought outwardly for sure he's handled the Cole Beasley signing very well, and I just want to give props to him because I thought he had a productive game on Saturday, and he he played fifty six percent of the snaps. And he had a positive influence on the game. Again, two third down conversion catches and a and a third down pass interference penalty that ended up leading to a Tyler Bass game winning field goal. So that's I thought he did. I thought he did a good and job. And I think, and I think on that PI, that's the difference between Beasley and Isaiah McKenzie. Beasley's not going down the field that, that no. like a twenty five. He's like, he's going underneath, doing that Wes Welker seven yard catch and then like dies right. kind of thing. Whereas right. Isaiah, you know, he has more jack of all trades. He can. Kind of he can right. stretch the defenses a little more. Yeah, absolutely, man. And I want to uh again, Stefan Diggs can't have 10 catches for 130 yards every game. He had it's not like he didn't do anything. He had five for 60 in this game, but it was great to see other guys involved. Um, Naheem Hines caught a touchdown pass. Quinton Morris caught the first touchdown pass of his career. I like that. Um, on the defensive side of the ball, I liked what I saw from Kyrie Elam on Saturday night. Trey White got beat for a touchdown overall, but Overall, I thought he played pretty well. He, he's not all the way back yet, but he was right around the ball. Like completions that went at him, he was right there. You can just tell he's almost all the way back. I thought Teron Johnson, as he's been all year, has been really solid, man. He uh, he played well. But anyway, circling back to Elam, you know, he didn't even play last week. Dane Jackson played 100% of the snaps this week. Elam, uh, they pretty much were 50-50 split. And I think going forward, you might see more of Elam. He almost had an interception. He's a physical corner. I thought he played Tyreek Hill very well. I know he was right there on one pass for Tyreek that he tackled him for a three-yard loss. Almost had an interception. Um, it's encouraging to see, man. It's your first-round draft pick. We're in week 15 in the NFL season. You want to see your first-round draft pick out there contributing. And uh, this, you know, I don't want to be overconfident and see what happens next week, but this was certainly a good sign for the Bills. Yeah, it's kind of the the template for what they do with their rookies, where they kind yeah. of start off slow. Then they start giving him more responsibility. They start playing him more. But yeah, he looks he looks good. He kind of reminds me a little bit of like an old school, like a, a little bit of like Antoine Winfield, a little bit like you yeah. know, kind of a physical. Yeah, guy. yeah. You know what? That's a good comparison. Thank I you. Like yeah, I, I got some football knowledge. But I'll say the one difference is Antoine was outstanding against the run. Whereas Elam, at least he doesn't have a reputation. I think it will come there. It will be there. Yeah, maybe he's it will. not the physical. Like you look at him and they put them side by side. They kind of look the same. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, well, put it this way: it, it would be very beneficial to the Bills if that comparison comes to fruition at some point. Uh, good, yeah. good one though. Um, yeah. On the defensive line, the one guy I wanted to to single out is Shaq Lawson. I'll tell you what, man. Now, Ooh, look, Greg Rizzo played well. Greg Rizzo's played well all year when he's been healthy, so I'm not I'm not forgetting about him. But I'll tell you what, Shaq Lawson had a sack. This dude has played really well this year at times in a limited role. And now with Vaughn Miller out, he's getting more snaps. Again, he had a sack. You go back to the Minnesota game. He had the big run stuff that should have won the game for them. He's made big plays. It's just incredible. And it's like, he's played his best football this year against Miami and the Jets, two teams that he went to after Buffalo that discarded him. He comes back. You could just tell he loves it here. And in his play has been a really pleasant. I don't want to. Yeah, no, it's been a surprise, surprise dude. It's he's been a pleasant surprise, man. This guy's been rock ass solid for the Bills this year. He's played on what four different teams? I think three, actually, three different teams since 2020. Yeah, you know, he played for the Texans, the, mm-hmm. the Dolphins, the Jets. I didn't hear anything about him. Like, no one was saying, oh man, the Bills really missed right. this guy. He comes here, and I, I feel like he's he's 
he's a he's good at everything. Like he's not like he's not like a like yeah he's not going to get you ten sacks a year or twelve or whatever, but he can get you a couple of sacks. He's really good against the run. You know he steals the edge. Like he's just he's gets bang splat. He gets you a, an occasional splash play, but he's he's been great this year. Like he's been like he's much better than Addison was last year. You know Addison maybe had more sacks. I don't remember off the top of my head, but I feel like. He's better than like that role guy that they had last year that was coming in and out like the veteran guy. Right. But like he's he's been he's been yeah, he's been great and you 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 see him whether you're a stack guy or you're a box score guy or a film guy, you see him make plays on the field. Yeah. yeah he's yeah. been great for them. Yes, he really has. And then last thing, the weather, the the conditions, it felt like a true home field advantage for Buffalo on Saturday, which is really weird because the week before it was just really cold and windy. And I felt like that was almost beneficial more to the jets and the bills. Look, this will be a, a discussion we'll have down the road. Cause it's going to depend on who they play, whether the weather is a home field advantage or not for Buffalo is going to depend on who they play. If they play Miami in those kind of conditions, 10 out of 10 times, it's a home field advantage. If they play the chargers in the playoffs, if they play the chiefs in the playoffs to me, shitty cold weather, Snow, that's a big advantage for the Bills. Oh, my God. I disagree with you. If you're playing the Ravens, if you're playing Baltimore, if you're playing the Jets, if you're playing uh, the Tennessee Titans in the playoffs, teams like that that really want to pound the football, then I don't think it's an advantage to the Bills. It depends who the opponent is. But when you're playing against a team like Miami, I think it's a big advantage. I don't agree with that at all. I don't know how you can say that. I I don't know how you can – two things. I don't know how you can say that when they won by one – like three points. Like they, Miami had some big splash plays, dude. You're acting like Miami couldn't hold their own against the Bills. They were up by eight in the fourth quarter. Yeah. And, and hold on. And from watching on TV, the weather was fine. It got bad in the fourth quarter with right. snow. But like the thing was, we only had one drive each. And prior to this, hey, I, I disagree with this whole weather thing. The Bills have, the Bills and the elements. I tweeted this out last week prior to this game that when it's, when it's rains or snow, Josh Allen's quarterback rating is around 80. He has not been good in the elements. He was not good in the elements against the Jets last week. He was not good against the Colts in the elements last year when he ruined my bachelor party. He was not good against my against Atlanta towards the end of last year when they were in the weather, when it was snowy and rain. The Bills have not been good in the, in the elements. This is not Jim Kelly, K-Gun offense like when in, in, in 1991 when there was a blizzard and they scored 44 points on the Dolphins in the playoffs. I, I have a lot of... I'm still. I'm not sold on the Bills in the cold and the. Um, the if, if, if a team from Florida or a team from LA's got to come to Buffalo in December and January, it is a huge advantage for Buffalo. I don't know how you could come to any other conclusion. But what evidence do you have? They almost lost to Miami. Miami's a good almost- team. Okay, so you're saying, oh, they have a huge advantage based off what? I just told you what Josh Allen's numbers were in the in the rain in the snow. It's not pretty, dude. At he all. Played, you know what? It was not good out in the first three quarters. It just it wasn't was snowing fine. like crazy. It was That's not. Bullshit. Dude, it I was know people who slippery. Went to the game. It was wet. It was I, windy. No, 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 so no. So why? No, no, and they also, Jeremy White said it on the next day that it was not bad at the game. Unless you want to say he's lying. Uh, so uh, yeah, like, you, so. if you're playing the Dolphins in January or you're playing the LA Chargers in January, you're telling me you'd rather have it 45 degrees with nothing out there. Absolutely. You're crazy. You're crazy. Are you in, Are you insane? This is a passing offense. You want them to, like, you want there to be a slug, a, 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 the element so we can't pass? Some quarterbacks aren't good in this weather. Some, some players don't want to play in this weather. 
okay, and neither do you think our guys love playing in this weather. Jordan Poyer said it before the game. He's like, I'm not looking forward to th- playing in this, dude. <laughs> right, I got, that. We got 10 uh, minutes left. We got 10 minutes. We got 10 minutes left. I need to get to a couple points there, or we're gonna we're gonna. Oh, Patty's wrong time. on Twitter, by the way, everyone. Okay, go ahead. There are some bad things. Let's have a couple bad takeaways from this game and just some things in general. The third quarter, the Bills were outscored 13-0. That's a problem. Uh, they were outscored 7-0 when they lost to the Jets. Not too long ago, they were outscored 13-3 in the Vikings game when they blew a three-score lead. Um, four punts. This is the third quarter, by the way. Before, this would have felt like a month, the way the Bills' offense was looking. But four punts in the third quarter on Saturday. And then that unfathomable special teams penalty by Cam Lewis. And look, I Cam Lewis is a good dude. He's a UB guy. I want to root for this dude. But if you have any accountability, that should be the last snap this guy sees as a Buffalo Bill. You cannot do that. He almost that was the biggest play of the game. Had the Bills lost, that would have been the play of the game. Bar none without question. But anyway, I don't want to get into a, a separate point here. My point is this: the Bills. Have not looked that good coming out of the locker room. I don't know if it's just a lack of adjustments and other teams are making adjustments. But the third quarter, I'm being outscored 13-0 is a problem. And I just pointed out two other games where they looked really bad in the third quarter. That's not good. They were bad in the third quarter, I believe, last year too, if I remember. Yeah. I, I think we, we complained about a quarter last year that they were bad in all the time. And I think it might have been the third. Um, my whole thing right now is I am worried what's bad right now is the offensive line. Mitch Morris, concussion. That's not good. Okay. That is not good at all. Like if you want if you put together a list of, of like players that the Bills cannot afford to lose, he's in my top five. And if they're going to Axel Rotten as their center and Ryan Bates is hurt or he's coming back, I think from like and he was usually the backup center too. I don't know. The offensive line worries me. That is the biggest worry for me right now in terms of that. And I'm not sure maybe that had something to do with them being flat, because that's when Mitch Morris got knocked out, I think, in the early part of the third quarter. And maybe that was part of the reason they had a little bit of issues because, hey, they, you know, they gave up the sack fumble and, you know, it, they just they didn't look they didn't look good on the offensive line. And that worries me a lot going forward. Yeah, the, 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 the offensive line has been shaky. Roger Saffold has, has not played well this year. Uh, we don't know. What I told you to. Well, yeah, I gave we, you. I said that I wasn't sold on him. Sorry. We, we, we don't we don't know if Morris win or if he's even going to be back right now. He has a history of concussions. We'll have to see how it plays out. Ryan Bates was. He, he didn't just not play Saturday. He was ruled out of the game a couple days in advance, which means to me that he might not be that close. Now, they didn't put him on IR, which is good. But uh, I would assume Bates will play center if Morse can't when he comes back. And uh, hopefully Ike Botker will be activated. In fact, we'll know today on Monday if uh, he's going to be activated and they can get him in there sooner than later. Anyway, general point, yes. The offensive line to me, especially the offensive line depth, that's the worst part of, of this football team right now. Another thing that's not good is their tackling, man. The, the, the run defense has been suspect this year, but the tackling has been horrible, man. Uh, I'll tell you, Raheem Mostert had 17 carries for 136 yards. He should have had 30 carries. If you're a Miami Dolphin fan on Sunday morning and you're waking up after that game, I'd want to wring Mike McDaniel's neck. I'm like, why are you putting this game into his hands, throwing the football when the Bills are proven that they're going to play a nickel defense. Even on third and one, they're still in a nickel. They could not stop the run. Mostert was busting through tackles. That dude should have had 30 carries for 210 yards and two or three touchdowns. And Miami could have controlled the clock probably for 40 minutes. That was horrific coaching on the Miami Dolphins. But anyway, circling back to Buffalo, the Dolphins averaged seven and a half yards per carry. And, and, the, and the run defense and the tackling is just really bad. 
the tackling really, was really bad. I don't know if – I mean, this was the first game in a while where I felt like the defense was like, ooh, this is not – this, this might have been their poor – might have been their poorest performance this season, like, you know, for what they did. The tackling was just really bad. And they're usually a pretty good tackling team, you know, but, like, they were really bad in this game. Um, I, I don't know what – like, hopefully it was just an anomaly. But, like, at the same time, look – Miami's – I mean, you sit there and say, like, you would be pissed off because the Dolphins didn't hand the ball off more. And, yeah, I guess, sure, they should have done it more. But it's not like they weren't good in the passing game. You know, like 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 Hill and – Waddle had over 100 yards receiving. Hill almost had 100. I mean, they were okay. I mean, they, they weren't terrible. They were, like, pretty solid. And You I could think, have those yards. You're not wrong. They they were pretty good I, in the passing game. But the, run, they, the Bills couldn't stop the running game. And how do you keep yeah. Josh Allen, who's killing you off the field? You run the football, you control the sure. clock. But I think I think you have to look at how Miami looks at it. They probably, in their minds, think they have a pretty close offense against the Bills with those guys on the outside. Well, then that's bad coaching. I don't know. If, I, I think, I mean, look, the points. The if points, Devin Singletary is running for seven and a half yards per carry and you get away from that in a game that you're either within one score or winning, yeah. then that's bad coaching. Stop. I, I, they can't stop it. Sure. I mean, they could, I just, they, could have done, they could have done it a little bit more. I mean, I agree, but it's it's. I, I think I I think look, I think the Bills won this game because they had Josh Allen and they and they had the they had the ball last too, you know, and that kind of helped. Like they had that that last drive was great. Um, yeah, well, they stopped they stopped Miami on their last two drives. From yeah, from, I mean Miami from, was from close. Through. I mean they had two big plays on that last drive, and they were. I thought I'm like, damn, they're they're gonna score on us, right. and then and then the defense came through at the end. I mean, it's it's always one of those things like. You know, I've been trying to think about like the Bills this season, like comparing to all these other seasons, like since they got good, like since 2020, and like what's the difference between this season and the last two years? And I'm trying to figure out like are the Bills better, or are they worse? And the only thing I could kind of come up with, if you want to like spin it, like they're better, is like they're winning a lot more close, tight, tough games. They're dealing with a lot of adversity, all these injuries, and they're still 11 and three. That might make you stronger. I don't know. Like, is you know, in 2020 they were blowing people out, like they were kicking, killing people. Last year. You know, they were losing the close games, but they were killing everyone. This year, it's like a scrap and claw. That, you know, they've won, what, like, I don't know, five straight in a row? And all of them have been pretty – outside of the New England game, they've been all pretty close, you know, in terms of them being scrappy. And maybe that's a good thing for them. Like, they're learning how to win these scrappy games that, you know, they're they're closing out in the fourth quarter or whatever the case may be. At least that's different to me than it was the last couple of years. Like, it's not – you know their wins are their wins feel like a lot tougher than they were last year. So I don't know it's just something to monitor. But I'll say this, man. That's where I'm. I'm sure you want to wrap us up. But I am looking forward to the. I know I shouldn't look ahead of the Bears game, but I am a little bit here. That Bengals Bills game, man. That is going to be. That is going to be. We're going to see how far this team has come because you and I have been on the. We don't want to play the Bengals bandwagon all year. Yeah, they are not a good. Matchup. They are not a good matchup to the Bills to me. Like they worry me a lot. They got a good defense. They got awesome wide receivers. That and and I don't know anything about them really. How they play against the Bills because we haven't played them since 2019. So that kind of worries me a little bit. But that Monday night game, it is going to be. It is. It's going to. It's going to have ramifications of like, uh, you know, I'm going to. I'm going to go back to like 1990 when it was like the Bills Dolphins in that second to last game where home field advantage is on the line and like the division. I mean, the division is going to be wrapped up by them probably. But like, it's going to be one of those games like. Winner of that may get home field advantage in the playoffs, you know, for that. I still got a couple things that I wanted to get to with things that I didn't like about the game. Oh, I'm sorry. And um, Greg Rizzo, I, I mentioned him and Shaq playing well. 
A.J. Epinesa and Boogie Basham in a reserve role gave them next to nothing. Now, Boogie got hurt. He didn't play the last couple of series. I don't even know if he played in the fourth quarter. I think he did something to his calf. But he should have had a sack. He whiffed. A.J. Epinesa just he, – he didn't give them anything. He whiffed on a tackle where Mozart ended up with a, a long drive. So I didn't like that. Um, DeMar Hamlin, you know, he's gotten a lot of praise early in the season. He took a really bad angle on that Waddle touchdown. He was late getting to the ball in the air. When Tyree Kill beat Trey White for a touchdown, you keep going back to, man, if Micah Hyde was there, these are plays he made. Um, He also missed. He whiffed on a tackle on um, the Ahmed touchdown run. So looks like he's hit a little bit of a wall these last couple of weeks. This is his first year as a starter, just his second year in the league. I'm a little bit uh, concerned about that. And then Tyler Bass, field goal aside, special teams. Uh, you know, Hines failed to, to field the punt and ended up down at the Bills, too. That was a mistake. I already mentioned the Cam Lewis uh, roughing the – the punter penalty that wiped out a third down stop. Miami scored a touchdown on that drive too. Once they, they got the penalty again, I, I think Cam Lewis, he just, he can't be on the field at this point, man. Uh, but again, you can't be too mad at special teams when Tyler Bass makes the game winning field goal. You talked about the offensive line too. That was uh, the other thing that I, I didn't like. Um, ugly. He, you mentioned it, the Morris concussions, a concern, um, not a lot of help from around the league on Sunday night. You can't expect other teams to do the job for you. But, uh, you know, I thought Houston had a chance to beat Kansas City. That would have been nice. But Kansas City won. So the Bills still are pretty much going to have to win out probably to to get that number one seed. Tampa blew a lead. They were up like 17 nothing or something like that against Cincinnati. And, and they just suck. And they that game was annoying to watch. And um, so now the Bills – to your point against Cincinnati, had Tampa held on, they would have had a cushion. You know, they would have been almost guaranteed a two seed. That week 17 matchup on Monday night, besides, again, if the Bills win, I think they are the number one seed. I am going to look past Chicago as well, and I'm also going to look past playing New England at home in week 18. If the Bills beat Cincinnati, they're the number one seed. If the Bills lose to Cincinnati, they might be the number three seed, which you might say, well, that don't matter too much. Because if Cincy wins out and they, they would have beaten Buffalo, they'll be the two seed. It does matter because in round two of the playoffs, Buffalo would have to go to Cincinnati instead of Cincinnati coming to Buffalo. So that is a meaningful game coming up in a couple of weeks for sure. Yeah, the seeding is very important, like you said, because if they could avoid that that Bengals-Kansas City divisional round, that would be great. Uh, so I think getting a rest would – every week we have injuries galore with this freaking team. So having that – uh, I don't care about the. I, it, would, it would be great to have a home field advantage just for the, you know, this town, the infrastructure couldn't handle it. And I think people, it would be a party and it would be fun, but I don't really care. Like in terms of like, I'm, I don't like playing in the elements. I think it's an, a, I know we just argued about this, but I, I, I have my, I have my feelings of like, I would not mind having a warmer, give me 45 outside other than elements in a shitstorm. You know, a home field home field advantage means more and we did spend a lot of time arguing about the elements or who would be the better opponent. Home field matters with the crowd too. The defense sure. or when you're out there be allowed, the offense maybe not being able to change plays at the line because the crowd's going crazy. It's just the familiarity with your locker room sleeping in your bed all week, stuff like that. I do think it matters beyond just the weather. I got to I got to ask you, what do you think of the snowballs? I thought it was stupid. Yeah. It was, I was, a, it, was, it was stupid, but it was also like, why didn't they clean the stands before the game? Yeah. Like, because I, I, I tweeted, like, I remember back in the day, you remember this, you're a historian like me. Like, you used to go, drive down to the stadium and you 10 bucks an hour and then you get like free tickets. Like, I remember that used to be the thing like Ralph would do. 
and they would shovel it. And then like, they, I remember they would do videos, like the news mm-hmm. would cover that. And like literally none of that, I, people, a few, a few of my friends told me like they got there, their seat was like covered in like a foot of snow. And it's like, that's like a, like, that's a kind of, a, that's not a good idea. Like who wants to be sitting in the snow? Like when you get there, that was, yeah, it was a bad look, but it wasn't like, yeah, you know, one that bad. I just if there, there would have been a penalty assessed to the to the Bills, then I would have been like really angry. I'll say this though: how many? I don't know how many Dolphins fans were there, but if I was a Dolphins fan, I'd be like, "Oh, okay." I would start chucking snowballs <laughs> at the players because they didn't get the fifteen yards. That's that's what I would have done. I mean, yeah. I, that's a horrible thing to do, but like, that's I'm surprised someone didn't think of that. Maybe, but uh, that snow thing was a little bit of a yeah. Well, it was nuts. All right, guys, we're gonna get out of here. It's enough for today's episode. Uh, Joe from Hamilton t- today, <laughs> yeah. Complete with uh, complete with the mom interruption. Although you did a pretty swift job of hitting that. I was muting so my and yelling at them. <laughs> yes, I was yelling while muting myself. Follow uh, follow Joe on Twitter at Buffalo Wins. Um, don't know if there's going to be a Wednesday episode or not this week. A lot going on. Everyone, I, everyone, demand Pat has me on this podcast more because I know how Pat's chain of command is. I won't be back on until March now, okay? Because 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 you're not going to go to California again. Aaron Quinn, maybe he has to like you know make steaks or whatever. He's not going to have me on. So if you want to hear me, please DM Pat. Put it because I understand if you want you don't want to tweet to him directly because then people will yell at him. Probably his media bros will say don't have Joe on again. But you definitely DM him. Tell him you need me on more. I I'm the moral compass of. Uh, the trendy, the talkie trendy Buffalo, I would say the talkie Buffalo podcast. Me, Joe. All right, wrap it up. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Follow me on Buffalo Winds. We are signing off. Goodbye. After after your Cole Beasley tangent, it might be a minute. <laughs> Talk to you guys soon. Take care. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time tested gift around a watch she can wear every day from Movement. Whether your mom is into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, everything at Movement is up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale. A watch is a gift that celebrates all the time you spent with mom. And a Movement watch is even more than that. Movement uses industry-leading materials for their fresh modern watch designs, from technically complex ceramics to vintage-inspired style. All for an incredible value your wrist and wallet will both love. And with one-size-fits-all convenience and fast-free shipping and returns, it's a stress-free shopping experience. Save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with Movement. Get up to 50% off site-wide during their Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com.